Good morning. Our sermon text for Pentecost Sunday comes from John chapter 14, verse 16, and then 25 to 27, page 9. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Peace. Do you have it? How do you get it? You know, the follower of uh, Buddhism might say you must find peace within, find peace with community, find peace with the earth. Pope Paul VI once said, if you want peace, strive for justice. An army general might say, peace comes through conflict. The follower of Hinduism says, peace comes by avoiding bad karma. The follower of humanism says, peace comes from doing what feels what? Right. Peace. The follower of Islam says, peace comes through total submission to Allah and the Quran. This father of four under the age of seven, peace is obtained by early bedtime. On the night before Jesus dies and soon goes away from his followers, he says, Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Friends, this morning I want to look at peace and see what it really is. And when you look at Jesus' words here, you're going to discover something, that peace isn't something that you create, but peace is something that is gifted to you and is yours freely. So you can give up the fight to try to find it, because peace, the way that God talks about peace in his word, is a peace that finds you, and he does that through the powerful work of his Holy Spirit that we celebrate today, Pentecost Sunday. And here's the, here's the outline we're going to take. We're going to ask this question, what is peace? How can I get it? But here are the three ways we're going to ask that. We're going to ask, where does it come from? How, do, how can it be mine? And what does it accomplish? Where does it come from? How can it be mine? And what does it accomplish? Well, the first question, where does it come from? To answer that question, where does peace come from, we really have to look at where does unpeace come from? And how did that get into my life? So this week, um, it started off a great Monday, and I was going to get a lot done this week. We had some awesome meetings set up with certain strategy teams, and, um, and, 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 and Tuesday afternoon, I came home, and I noticed that on the outside of the house, there was water that wasn't going away that I had noticed a while back, and on the inside of the house, I finally said, I'm going to discover where this water is leaking out of, and I went into the master bathroom, and after looking behind the bathtub... Sure enough, there's water piling up, and so in the middle of trying to take care of a little kid, I took the bathtub up and put it in the master bedroom, and I found that there was a leak. I tore out all the drywall and found out that there was mildew. 
ripped out all the insulation, ripped out the back of the insulation, ripped up the floors. And then I looked at my watch and I said, 15 minutes till my meeting. What am I doing over here? After a trip to the Home Depot later and running three fans and a dehumidifier for three days, sleeping through in our bedroom, the next uh, day, Hannah, she texts me and she says, this isn't good. And when she says, this isn't good, I'm thinking to myself, I fixed that problem already. What isn't good now? She, she sends a picture and there's water running, not from the bathroom, but from the air conditioner on the other side of the house. In the hallway, there's water coming out into the floors. She says, this isn't good. Is this supposed to happen? I said, that's not supposed to happen. Calling up the AC repair guy, he comes over, he fixes the problem. My week was anything but peaceful. But did I lose peace? No, you don't have to lose peace. I'll tell you what really drives, what really is unpeace to me is, is not so much the circumstance, um, but it's the loss. I mean, a, a loss of relationship. Imagine, we went to the Mall of America a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we did it on a family trip, and uh, we spent a couple of days at this amazing mall. I don't know if you've ever been there. There's four stories of hundreds of stores and um, shops and restaurants, and there's an amusement park in the middle of the mall itself with lots of kiddie, kiddie rides. And uh, I, I remember at one time, I was in charge of at least, I think, two pairs of legs of those little kids that were running around, and at least once... I, I looked around and what happened? I couldn't see any of them because they had run off around a corner. Mall of America is a nightmare for parents with kids that are that small. You can imagine maybe you've had that experience in the mall before where you lose track of your child for just one second. And what sets in then? Unpeace, fear, even for a second. Now imagine going to the, a mother taking her son, little boy, to the Mall of America. And imagine then she needs to really just do some shopping. And she says, son, we're going to do some shopping, and I'm going to get a dress for a wedding coming up. And they walk into the mall, and the son says, but I want to ride the log ride. The mommy says, no, I'm sorry, we can't do that today. Can't ride the log ride. i got to go get, get the dress done, and then, and then it'll be on our way. They walk into the mall, and he's holding her hand, but he says, okay. But really deep down inside, he's saying, the first chance I'm going to get, I brought my piggy bank money. And I'm going to spring for that log ride when she's not looking. And they walk up, and they go up escalators. They go way around the mall. And uh, sure enough, he finds the moment. She's searching through dresses in the rack. And as soon as she's distracted for one second, he's off. He goes around a corner. He goes up an escalator. He goes down an escalator. He knows for sure. He thinks to himself, I know where that log ride is. And then he runs past the the, the, he runs past the, uh, the food court, and he's, he looks around the corner, and he says, the log ride's not there. And suddenly, he looks around, and he says, no, it must be the other way. He runs the other way past the food court, finds another food court, and now he, he says, wait a second, I'm lost. And he looks up at the faces of the people. He doesn't recognize anyone. You can imagine the fear in that little boy's heart. Because the opposite of peace is unpeace and a separation of relationship. That mom has that same unpeace, unrest in her heart too. It's not so much the circumstance, but it's the loss of relationship that brings us unpeace with God. Fear. 
is the opposite of peace. And fear was invented the moment that Adam and Eve were in the garden. And God said, I'm giving you full peace. I'm giving you a relationship with me. There's nothing you have to fear. There's nothing. I'm going to give you every tree to eat. I want you to be in complete joy in your relationship with me. But in the moment that they said to him, I would rather search after peace for something else rather than you, God. I'd rather go after something that breaks our relationship and breaks this deep bond of trust. And in that moment, that they were holding his hand, but they said, I'm going to spring for it when they can. And they sprung for it. Do you know what happened? Fear entered the human condition. I, I know that because the next couple of verses say that after they ate from the tree God told them not to eat from, they, they hid from God. And God was walking around in the garden as if God needed to find them, but he showed his love by doing this, and he called out, where are you? And Adam said, we're hiding. And God said, why are you hiding? And what did Adam say? We're hiding because we are afraid. Sin is the separation of you and me from a God in a relationship. And when we, like that little boy, and like Adam and Eve, because we're their children, spring away from God because we think that there's something better out there than Him. We will discover unpeace and fear in our life. Um, that's the reason why fear drives headlines. Who's in control? Well, who, who knows who's in control? We're fearful. <laughs> that's why peace is a fearful thing. Can I really be forgiven, God? If you're there, really? Fear about my past broken relationship. God, do you really love me? Look at all these circumstances that are happening around me. Can you, is your peace really there? Fear is asking that question because there's not a relationship or maybe that there's a, a gap in that relationship in that season or in that moment. God, I have questions for you that you're not answering. Do you really love me? Do I really have your peace? What we need to, if, if, if fear is the opposite of peace, and separation from God is the opposite of peace, the true peace that we have with him, then we need someone or something to rebuild that relationship. In verse 16 in our text today, is it the next slide? It says, Jesus is speaking to his disciples again uh, before he dies, and he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you be with you forever, and he'll be with you forever. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. And notice there he says that he promises another advocate. The, the word advocate, we're going to have to break this down to understand this, but the word advocate is a deep word. It's a rich word. In fact, in text study this week, I found at least half a dozen different translations for this. You might find them in your translation of the Bible. It, uh, the, the, the comforter is another one. Friend, counselor, Advocate is this translation that was chosen. The word comes from the Greek word paraclete, which is two words, para, next to, and clete, which means to call, call next to. Advocare in the Latin, which means uh, to, to, to talk next to. An advocate is literally someone that is your friend, that comes beside you, para, and they talk to you. But they're also tough, like a good lawyer is tough, or like a good 
real estate agent is loving to you. They understand your needs. They, they, they get to know your family because they want to match you with the best house. But you want her or him to be tough on the phone with negotiations. Smart. Able to understand you. Able to speak for you. And the, if it says that he's sending another advocate, that means that there has to be what? A first advocate. And the first advocate that, that we have is Jesus. Jesus is speaking here. He says, I'm going to send you another one. Well, who's the first one from the Father? The first one is Jesus. And, and what is his advocacy? What is his? Jesus is the lawyer in your courtroom. He's the lawyer in your courtroom that takes all of your fears. You're standing before the judge. Am I forgiven? Does God love me? Um, I have questions for God. Can I, can I have a relationship with him even if I have questions for God? And Jesus stands in the courtroom, and he's not the charlatan type of lawyer you know, if you think that Jesus is always talking to God and saying, you know, your, your honor, Dan here, he had a really rough week this week, you know, and he, he's had a couple of really rough weeks in a row. I, your honor, please, he's going to do better next week. Please give him another chance. Please, he gets down on his knees begging you, please just give him a little bit. No, he's not that type of lawyer. This lawyer, this advocate goes to the law. He goes to the law, and what I mean is that he knows the law, and he puts his arm around you, and he stands up in front of the judge, and he says, Your Honor, you cannot condemn, condemn Dan. Because it's against the law to punish somebody for a crime that has already been paid for. Look at my hands and look at my feet. He's forgiven. You can't condemn him. Innocent. That's your lawyer. That's your advocate that stands in the courtroom. That's the first one who gave his life for you, and he loves you to bring you into relationship with God. That's where peace comes from. It comes through Jesus' advocacy, and it comes through his advocacy on the cross. It's a a fact that he did 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of all the sins of the world to bring you to God. That's the first question. Where does peace come from? It comes from a restored relationship through Jesus' advocacy. That's completely by grace, and it's a free gift. Do you believe that? Yes. Good. How, do I become, how does that become mine? How does that, that, uh, that peace become mine? Because, Pastor, I'm not feeling a lot of peace a lot of the time. What is it that, that God has given me so that I can know that peace, so that I can have that peace within? And that's where... That's where we get these verses. Jesus says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit. Now that there's a, the advocate that has done work outside of me, there's actually going to be a, a Holy Spirit, an advocate that comes into my heart, a peace that finds me and, and, and tells me that I have peace with God because of what that first advocate did. Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And he would. On Pentecost, uh, shortly after this, he would send his Holy Spirit onto the disciples. They would have this special outpouring of the Holy Spirit where they could have insight into the Word of God, insight into God's will. That was written down in a book called the Bible. And today, we have the same promises from that advocate given to you. And just like Jesus stood in the courtroom and he said, innocent, by faith, this Spirit comes into our hearts and he convinces you and me of the same peace that we have. So the question is what? God, am I really forgiven? Do I really have this gift of forgiveness that you want on the cross? 
The Holy Spirit's the advocate, the tough but gentle friend that comes into your heart, puts his two feet down, and he says, I'm not going to try to convince you with, with pretty words, or I'm not going to try to convince you by, by um, you know, by trying to, to be sneaky, I'm going to just give you what God's Word has to say. And the Holy Spirit comes in. I'm like, can I be forgiven, God? The Holy Spirit comes in. Psalm 103 says, put it up on the screen. I think it's the next one. Let's read it together. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Fact. Law. I mean law like this is legal. Your sin has been removed. There's no wiggle room, and the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and tells you that in the moments that you feel like you could never be forgiven for the things you've done in the past. But God, how can I really have peace with you? I'm, I'm struggling because all these things in my school or all these things at my work are happening, and it doesn't feel like, I don't feel like the love of God is on me the way that I'm being treated. I'm being treated unfairly. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, the gift of God, the lawyer comes into your heart. Your lawyer friend comes into your heart and points back to the law. And he says in 1 John, put uh, that one up there. Let's read this one together. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Fact. But God, I have questions, and there's some things in your word that I don't get. There's some things that happen in my life that I don't know why you allow them to happen. And I can't figure it out. I can't put them together. I can't see the path that you're putting here in front of me. Why? The Holy Spirit comes back, puts his feet into your heart, in his word, and he says this. Next one. Let's read it together. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I know fully, even as I am fully known. I can be okay, God, not knowing everything right now. And just like those old mirrors in those days where you couldn't see the reflection very clearly, this world is just a reflection. And the Holy Spirit says that's okay because you know that God loves you. You know that you have eternal life. You know that that peace, remember that peace? amid unpeacefulness, still remains there because of the Spirit's advocacy for you. The peace becomes yours. This is the answer, and it was a couple screens ago, but we missed it. I I ran over it. The Holy Spirit's advocacy is what creates the peace in our life amid all of the unpeacefulness. So where is pastor going to tell you to go when you feel unpeacefulness? Back to the Word. Back to the lawyer. Back to the place where it says, nothing can take away your peace. And finally, what does peace accomplish? We know where it comes from. It comes from God through grace. We know how it's ours. It's ours because that peace finds us in the work of the Holy Spirit and his word in our baptism. And what does it accomplish? The story goes, there was a man who wanted to paint or find the perfect picture of peace, literally a portrait of peace he wanted to hang on his wall. And he was a rich man. And he didn't find any pictures that he really liked to find this perfect portrait of peace. And so he commissioned a contest. And he said, there's going to be a contest, and we're going to have all the artists from far and wide submit their art, 
And I'm going to make this a famous piece of artwork after I find the piece of artwork that, that really drives home what peace is. And sure enough, lots of submissions from all over, far and wide, came in. Uh, there's landscapes of, of sheep grazing in the meadow. There's landscapes of, of, of big mountains and uh, lakes that are calm without a ripple in it. And there's blushes of the sunshine shining down on it. And the sunset was another one. There came down to just one more painting to be revealed at the reveal with hundreds of people watching. All these other pictures had been trotted out and unveiled, and finally the last picture was to be unveiled. The man himself got up from the front row and he came forward. Obviously, this was the one that he chose. And he took off. And there it was. A picture of a thunderstorm. Not just a thunderstorm, but the people in the front row could literally feel the water coming off of the tumultuous waterfall that was happening. And there was rocks and sharp edges all over this thing. It was the most dangerous scene that they had ever seen. And they they gasped, what is this, peace? But then he invited everyone forward. And they took a closer look. And upon their closer look, they found a bird nestled right in the middle of the storm. And the bird did not have a care in the world. In fact, that little bird that was nestled in the rock enjoyed peace that nothing could take away. You don't have to obtain peace. You don't have to avoid something to get peace. There's nothing in your life that you have to do or think or say or submit yourself to to find peace. But the peace that the Holy Spirit gives you is that peace. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The world's peace, it's fleeting. One day you're going to have money, and then one day you're not. One day you're going to have the job and the career of your dreams, and the next day you could get let off. One day you could be doing great in school, and the next day you could just feel like the scum of the earth. But when you have Jesus' peace, you have a peace that transcends it all. A peace that is, is a constant amid all of the storms of life. And it's a peace, it's not just some peace that you talk about or you, it's a peace that you can commiserate about, but it's actually a legal peace that's been put into your life. Jesus' peace drives out your fear. Amen.